This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 150. In L.A., I ran into a boss that uh, I thought he was unreasonable. He was one of these screamers. I worked six days a week, and I wasn't happy. And so I found another job, and I quit. And uh, took a job in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at a hotel, doubled my salary, and I got fired after 90 days. place went bankrupt. My wife had warned me, but I didn't listen to her. Hey, H2ICers. If you've been struggling to figure out work that fits you, then join our eight-day free mini course. All you have to do is text HTYC to 38470. That's HTYC to 38470 or simply visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. See you there. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. Hey, this is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career. This is the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other people's stories. Now, we get to bring on all kinds of experts like Joni Connell, who's a leadership coach and organizational consultant who also helps people live authentically through their career, or people who have pretty amazing stories like Maxie McCoy, who stepped out of her comfort zone and reframed her career path to provide the tools that people need to believe in themselves, which is incredibly important. And these are people just like you. They've gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing. They're people that are just like our next guest, Lee Cockerell. And I've got to tell you that this was a pretty amazing conversation with Lee because we, we talked about how you can put yourself out there, how you can make connections, how you can expose yourself and what it actually takes to be able to do exactly that. We also talk about how you can actually be willing to take the risks and what risk actually means. Now, everybody's heard of putting in the hard work to have it pay off the end, but what does that actually mean and how can you do it step by step? You know, whether it's whether it's resilience, good attitude, looking professional, behaving like the job that you want one day. We talk about all this, a whole bunch more. And I got to tell you, Lee is the master of scheduling. This is this is the second time we've had him on the show because he is just a wealth of knowledge. And you're going to get all that, a whole bunch more. I want you to take a listen to my conversation. But first, let me tell you just a little bit about him. So in addition to him being a second time guest on the Happen to Your Career podcast, he was the former executive VP for operations at Walt Disney World Resort. He's the author of a new book, Creating Career Magic, How to Stay on Track and Achieve a Stellar Career. He's been in the hospitality industry for 40 years. This guy has done anything and everything. He has a really solid legacy of training and developing leaders. He is somebody who I've gotten to meet in person, and he just continues to amaze me. So, Take a take a listen, take a learn from my conversation with Lee Cockerell. Hey, welcome back. I am so excited to have on the show 
a repeat guest. We haven't had that many repeat guests on Happen to Your Career, but we've made an exception for this one. And I think you're going to absolutely, absolutely love the story we're going to get to continue to talk about, I'll say. And then at the same time, uh, he's he's got a new book coming out, and I I normally don't even get into that at the at the beginning, but it's so relevant to what we discuss on on this show that uh, actually that's probably the bulk of of what I want to talk to him about today. Oddly enough, Lee Cockerell, welcome to Happened Your Welcome back to Happened Your Career. Yeah, good to be back with you, Scott. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I- I'm I'm excited for uh, round two of conversation, but you've got such a great story and such an interesting take on, on careers in general that I find both incredibly simple, and I mean that in the, in the best possible way, and very refreshing because uh, a lot of times people don't go for simple, and I think it's... Yeah. Well, refreshing is the right word. So I really wanted to be able to delve a little bit more into into some of your story. And then at the same time, talk about some of the things that uh, we're going to find in the book. Very good. I'm simple because I am not too smart. So I have to go simple. <laughs> you and me both, Lee. You and me both. <laughs> well, hey, we, we, got to, we got to spend a bunch, of, a bunch of time chatting last time around about really diving into, into some of where you began because you, you've spent... Geez, is it is it really more than forty years working around hospitality in that that industry? Um, yeah, I got out of the army in nineteen sixty five, and I started with Hilton that in that March, and that's quite a long time ago. <laughs> that is quite a long time ago, as it turns out. So there's been a, a lesson or or three learned along the way, and yeah. I, I'm most interested in. Um, and really how some actually even how you made some of your decisions because you made a couple of career changes in there, and that's where I'd love to start. And you've got a couple of stories that we, we didn't even get to fully dive into last time around. And I I got to hear, I got the pleasure of hearing when, uh, when I got to meet you in person last, oh my goodness, it has been over a year ago. Wow. So you, you started with, uh, with, with Hilton, but what, what really prompted that first, first career change? Uh, I ended up, I'd had a great career with Hilton and I was in uh, Washington and at that big Hilton there where Reagan, where John Hinckley gets shot, Arnold Reagan, a big convention hotel. Then I got transferred to Chicago, the Conrad Hilton, then to the Waldorf Story in New York, and then I was in Los Angeles. I was having a great career, but in L.A., I ran into a boss that uh, I thought he was unreasonable. He was one of these screamers. He won- I worked six days a week, and I wasn't happy, and so I found another job, and I quit. And uh, took a job in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at a hotel, double my salary, and I got fired after 30, 60 days, about oh, after 90 days. place went bankrupt. My wife had warned me, but I didn't listen to her. I do now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so then I didn't have a job. No job, two-year-old Volkswagen bug, and went off looking for a job. And so that was my career was up, and then all of a sudden it was back to ground zero. I didn't realize it was such a short period of time in between. So you, you went and got that new job, promptly ignored your wife, and then, <laughs> and then it was only ninety days later when uh, when they they made the decision. Then, yeah, absolutely. I I said I went in to see the general manager at five o'clock, and at five o two I was unemployed. <laughs> and uh, but it turned out to be a good thing. That's why I write about that in my new book, uh, Career Management, because that got me to Marriott. And so, you know, 
I tell people, don't get too upset about the little bumps in your life. They may get you to a far better place and probably will. Yeah. So, so let me ask you about that then, because that's something that a lot of our listeners have experienced. First of all, um, what you started with, with, you know, they get into a, a role and they're having a fantastic time. You know, maybe it's even a great company, everything else. And then they get a new boss or something else external happens. The company gets acquired or something else. Um, what what are your thoughts, first of all, on your ability to influence those types of situations versus when it's time to cut and run, if you will. Yeah, I think if you get the wrong boss and, you know, and I let it go for a year. I mean, I didn't jump out right away. It was, uh, I was trying to be reasonable about it. I mean, it wasn't killing me, but I was working all the time, never home. And, and I didn't feel like I was appreciated. I think if you don't feel valued and that people really have a, holds you in esteem, uh, that's the time you start thinking about leaving. I, You can either th- hold out and hope your boss leaves or something happens to him, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, or you go looking for something else. And uh, I, I'm not very happy when people don't appreciate me. And so I moved on, and it happened again at Marriott. I got passed over for a big promotion because I'd been too aggressive in my career probably. I was a vice president by then, and I moved on to Disney eventually, and uh, all three of those moves were big. Moved to Paris, you know, big chances. I'm kind of wired for risk. I mean, I don't mind taking a risk, and my wife supports that. She's, I said, we can go to Paris. She said, absolutely, let's go. <laughs> so uh, I could have got over there and got unemployed, but, you know, that's where the fun is, out on the edge. If you just stay in your little town and you never do anything and you don't meet new people and you don't have new experiences – you're probably going to have a good life, but you're not going to have a great life. And the uh, difference between good and great is pretty big. Hard to explain what it is, in fact. Okay, well, let's and, let's try because I'm uh, I'm I'm super curious about that. Plus, at the same time, a whole bunch of our listeners that is that is part of what they're trying to figure out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna push you on that a little bit if that's okay. Sure. I mean, here's how I think about it. To be great, it's harder. To be good, it's kind of easy. And, you know, I think Jim Collins wrote that the enemy of great is good. I got a good life. Why take a chance? I got it. You know, we pay the mortgage. I got the car. The kids are in school. That's good. Well, that's a good life. But when you you have to experience, I always ask people, do you want to have good kids or great kids? Mm. It's harder to raise great kids. You got to be spend time with them. You got to be coaching them. You got to be disciplining them. You got to make sure they're on top of things. You got to be checking them out all the time, uh, making them feel loved, feel secure, believe in themselves. It's hard. Uh, you want to have uh, good health or great health? You know, it's good. It's easy to have good health, but to have great health, you got to work out. You got to get your physicals. You've got to do some strength training. You've got to. The difference between feeling good and great when you wake up in the morning is pretty amazing. Or do you want to have a good marriage or a great marriage? You got to let it go a lot. You got to let things go and not, you know, try to get in an argument over something and be defensive. And, and you just got to learn that there's some pain and then you can't always be right. And I think in every, oh, and then maybe the best one, you're going to go get yeah. oh, surgery. Do you want to have a good surgeon or a great one? <laughs> <laughs> the good one, will, good one will kill you. The great one will save your life. And uh, so to me, I'm willing to take the risk and put in the hard work to have this payoff at the end. 
because I don't want to go through life. Uh, I saw something the other day that says you only have one life, but if you use it right, one's enough. And uh, and another quote I heard the other day, which really makes a lot of sense: "You are only one decision away from a whole different life." And uh, a lot of people won't make that decision, and mm. then they end up, uh, you know, it's too bad to get old and be have regrets. I wish I'd have taken that move. I wish I'd have quit. I wish I'd have spent more time with my children. I wish that I'd taken care of my health. You know, you know the story. And uh, so I really wake up every morning thinking about I don't want to be good, <laughs> you know. But it's hard and it's stressful to be great. And uh, but once you get there, it's uh, it's uh, a, a place where there's not a lot of people hanging out. By the way, that's that is interesting. And I'm curious, Lee, what what took place that really caused you to come to this? You know, was there a point in time or was it a really a progression through your life? Because, you know, I just heard you say, hey, I wake up every morning and I am, I've, you know, I made the decision or I'm determined to, to be great, have a great day, have a great life, et cetera. But what, uh, what caused you to get there? What caused you to have that realization? Well, I grew up in a family that was very dysfunctional. My mother, I, you may have heard this story before, that uh, we lived on a poor farm in Oklahoma, no indoor plumbing. My mother was married five times. I was adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell when I was 16, when she married number four. And um, I wasn't a very good student. Parents didn't pay attention to it back in those days. So I went off to college because this guy had money. I flunked out because I didn't go to class. I didn't have the self-discipline. Went in the Army. And uh, so I had this drive to work ethic. I think I had work ethic because you grow up on a farm. You live in Oklahoma. You work. You work when you're young. You work. You have summer jobs. You work in the heat. You do. It's just typical. Everybody works. And uh, I think enough parents don't do that today. They're not preparing their kids for the tough workforce. Mommy's not going to be there when you get to work late in the morning. Your boss fires you. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that work ethic and attitude. I had a grandmother who really – my mother taught me a lot about discipline and doing what you say you're going to do and keeping your promises. And my grandmother really taught me empathy. She always was just great with everybody, always had time for everyone. She went to the hospital and helped the old folks. She did. She was an incredible woman, and I learned from her empathy. And I think discipline and empathy are those two things that can drive you because if you don't have a great attitude, you know, can do, I can do this, and and resilience. I had resilience because when you grow up working all the time, you're very resilient. You know hard work's hard, but you get it done. You get paid for it. You feel good about that. And we got to teach kids resilience. And they kind of go off today, you know. They mother buys them an iPhone and an iPad, and they don't have to work, and they have the gorgeous room and TV in their room. And next thing you know, they graduate from a big college, and they're really smart, and they get to the workplace and can't handle it because it's tough. Your boss doesn't want to hear about it. They want to know what you can do, not what you know. And you've got to have the discipline to be able to get things done, be organized, planning. And you also got to be a good leader. So you got to have some empathy to understand how other people are reacting to you and how you're affecting them. And so I think I got all of that probably from my, you know, even though my childhood was pretty screwed up with my mother getting married all the time. Yeah. My, my grandmother was not far away and I'd go to her and she really uh, built up my self-confidence. She told me every day I could do whatever I wanted and I could and da 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 You know, so... I didn't want to repeat that. My, I grew up in Oklahoma in the 50s and 40s and 50s, and people were pretty bigoted there. And they, you know, they would, what the things they said about African Americans in our family and American Indians and Jewish people and gay people was embarrassing. My uncles, you can imagine. 
And uh, my my wife and I decided that when we were about to have our son, that he would never hear those things in our house. And I tell people, we changed it right there. We've been married 48 years. My mother's married five times. My brother's been married four times. And my grandmother was divorced. Uh, my my wife and I are setting new records. I'm trying to get the family average down in the marriages. And uh, my son's been married for 23 years, and I broke it right there. I broke it because we stepped up and we took care of it. And I got a son that doesn't have a discriminatory bone in his body, and, and then he married a French woman, and I had to quit telling French jokes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and now I've got grandkids. They don't care if you're gay, black, Indian. They could care less. They don't care. They look at the person. They have friends. And... Uh, None of that stuff bothers them. They could have care less. They really have a respect for everybody. And that's because they've traveled. Uh, they grew up in a family where there was they didn't hear these inappropriate comments about other people. And, uh, you know, you you become like the environment you grow, in, grow up in if you're not careful. You'll adapt. You know, it's like the politics right now. They say people really don't understand the policies. What they do, they're Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal based on how they grew up and the town they grew up in and the family they grew up in. That does seem to be the case very much. Well, so. it is. That's why some parts of the country, country are blue and some are red. And it's not about most people have no idea about the issues. None. They couldn't explain one thing to you about the issues, about the policies, about so. But we become like the environment we grow up in. So we want to change that environment. And I tried to change that environment at work, too, to make sure everybody, everybody matters. And I want everybody to think they matter and I want them to know they matter. And I want our leaders to make sure they know they matter. So and let me you, let me ask you yeah. about that then, because um, yeah. I think that that's really important because I just heard you outlay so much about why environment matters and what's surrounding you matters. And, you know, that's certainly been the case with your kids and certainly something that you've been able to do over the years for people that you have worked with, uh, your direct reports, you know, creating the culture, et cetera. But how can I do that for myself? Because that's what a lot of our listeners are, are wondering. Um, say they're not in the greatest environment and they've had the realization that, hey, look, I need to I need to change this, whether it be you know surrounding myself with a different type of people or uh, surrounding myself with some different tolerances or whatever it happens to be for them. So how can I do that within my career? Well, I tell you, you know, everybody ought to step back and think about their deepest beliefs. And remember that if you're not going to be bigoted and you're going to change the way you think, you're going to have to forget about half of what you learned when you were growing up in your house because that's where most of it came from. And uh, I got out. People said, why were you successful? I said, I got out of Ardmore, Oklahoma, and I saw the world. And I worked with African-Americans, Hispanics, gay people, Jewish people, Muslims. They were all good friends of mine still are today. I don't judge people by a group. I judge them by individuals. There's a lot, you know, people say, well, I could say, yeah, I don't care. I don't have any problem with African-Americans, but I have a problem with some of them. <laughs> and I don't have any problem with uh, Caucasians, but I have a problem with some of them. <laughs> and uh, and I treat people as individuals. And you've got to rethink, uh, you know, this is absurd, this bigotry and hate that's going on. It's just absurd. It doesn't even make any sense. And most of the people don't like gay people or they don't like Muslims or they don't like Jewish. They don't even know one. <laughs> they don't even know one. And, uh, you know, until you're exposed, you just can't. You know, reading about something and experiencing are two different things. You're, you know, you could read your kids' books every night about Paris. You're going to change their life by going there. 
Yeah, and we were you're, just a little bit of context. We were talking about uh, right before I was asking Lee advice for where to go in Paris because we're taking our our kids and our family over there for about six weeks. And and you you regularly spend uh, uh, sounds like a, a while in France every single year or two or not? Yeah, we yeah. spend we spend a month there just about every year because uh, grand, get take the grandkids back to see their grandparents in France and go to camp and get to see their cousins and and, and now all my grandkids speak fluent French. They're very comfortable. They're making straight A's in French in school, at least. <laughs> I don't know about math, but they are. <laughs> but it's just, they just see the world totally different. My grandson, he had a, a appendectomy uh, in June on a Wednesday. His stomach started hurting. They took him in. They did surgery on him, and 24 hours later, he flew to France by himself. Wow. 24 hours later? Yeah. And five days later, he was in the pool. You know, and most people lay around and complain, but that's that's teaching kids to be tougher until you can do it. And he has self confidence. He's traveled by himself before, and we let him do that. We don't uh, wring our hands and worry about everything. You can't worry about everything. And uh, so resilience again. These kids are learning resilience. What you need in college when the work is hard and you got to stay up all night and you got to study all week and you'll you got to got to learn these things and that's what you do when you take your kids traveling you know they're going to want to know what's on their plate and what's this and they won't run into somebody and how to use the subway the first time and how to do the, and you come home saying wow now i know how to do this before you went you were insecure and when you get back you'll be very secure and that's how life works i said always do the hard things and then life gets easier so um, once you learn how to you know every time we go to something we don't know what we're doing how bad we feel until we until we do know what we're doing exactly and you got to step into it you can't just hope it comes to your brain overnight it's not going to you got to go experience things and then you know, and nobody can take that away from you, ever. See, this is why I like talking to you, Lee, because uh, you know, I, I, ask, uh, I ask what I think is a hard question, and I get such a simple answer. You know, how, how, do you, how do you expose yourself to other stuff? Well, stop reading the dang books and go start exposing yourself to it. Oh, well, <laughs> actually even in go your start hometown, doing it. you know, yeah. take your kids down to the shelter and let them help serve meals. Let them, my, grand, my son does that with his kids, and... You know, they spend experiences on Saturday and going to a museum they don't want to go to. But then they come out and say, wow, I learned something. You know, you got to force people. You got to do things on purpose in life because it's educational for you and for your children. And, uh, you know, you go to a museum, you might see a painting that gives you the best idea in the world for your business. And uh, exposure. It's just about exposure. That's why I do these uh, podcasts, exposure. I meet people. I talk to people. I hear from people all over the world. Uh, you know, I'm going to Venice, Italy in, in, in um, November to speak to the U.S. Army garrison. They invited me. My book, Creating Magic, is now required reading by the officers. Is it and, really? Uh, That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and at Fort Bragg, I just came back from speaking to the Joint Special Operations Command. These guys that go off in the night and do tough stuff. And they're, they're my book's they have to read that there. And I was at Patrick Air Force Base. And, uh, you know, I went to Baghdad in 2011, did 13 seminars during the war. And uh, you know, just th that exposure, man, it's unbelievable. You know, you can never think again after you do those things. You can never think the way you did. And uh, I just can't tell you. I think experience is probably better than anything. And uh, especially when you're going to meet new people from different countries and different foods and, uh, you know, take your kids to Asia one day when they see the food, they might run away from home. But, <laughs> you know, in Japan, when they're 
breakfast is green and blue. <laughs> so, but those are, those are things that just, they mature and they, uh, they, uh, they get rid of the bigotry and they, they feel better. They'll make friends that are un, un, totally unlike them. And, uh, and they will, even in France, you go to a park, you're going to meet the other kids and they'll be playing soccer together and playing and having fun. Kids, you know, can get, if we were as resilient as children are, we'd be a lot better off. Kids adjust immediately. They don't wait to somebody. They go up and say, hi, you want to do this? Adults, they sit in the house and wonder if anybody's ever going to call them. And uh, <laughs> kids are resilient. And uh, those are the more experiences they get and the more exposure they get to things that are not normal. You know, culture in your family is just as important as culture in the workplace. And I can tell you, culture is not part of the game. It is the game. You get the culture right, there's, it's unlimited what can happen. When your kids feel secure and educated and developed and exposed, man, you'll see kids, you, they'll be struck by something and it could start a new career for them when they go to college. It happened to my grandson. He spent two days at Walter Reed Hospital with the troops coming in with lost limbs. And today he's studying biomedical engineering. He did that when he was 16 and it struck him deeply. Oh, wow. That one experience. So you never know. <laughs> I was sure that I needed to make changes in my career, but there were so many options that I was stuck. Cindy is a chief financial officer for a small nonprofit in Fresno, California. While completing the exercises, she made a discovery. What I knew about myself in advance was, I need to look for improvements. I need to make those improvements. And I also know I don't do maintenance. What I didn't know, there was an underlying theme between the two. The reason you need to make the improvements is because I work hard not to get bored. It was an epiphany. However, it seemed that she was the last one to find out. I took my shiny new discovery to my family and they were happy to validate, yeah, that's the reason that they thought I did these things. Without the exercises and the figure it out eight day course, I would remain blind to a clarifying truth that everyone else thought that I already knew and therefore they weren't talking about it. I'm now concentrating on work in a consulting industry that will be project-based so I can complete things and move on to the next thing, alleviating the boredom. The HTYC 8-Day Figure It Out course helped Cindy realize something that was obvious to everyone but her. What could it do to help you discover so that you can make an impactful change for your life and career? To take the course for yourself, text HTYC to 38. Four seven zero. That's HTYC to three eight four seven zero, or just simply go to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. So that, here's what I'm taking away from all of that because I get. Uh, you know, just for the type of work that I do, I get constant emails and questions and all kinds of things from people about, hey, how do I? Uh, here's a common one, <laughs> you know, how do I, how do I find what I'm passionate about? Uh, or how do I identify, you know, those things that, uh, that I'm great at, or how do I, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm taking away from everything that you just said is it really does come back to some measure of exposure and oh, it really does come back to some measure of intentionally exposing yourself to other new things, even and maybe even especially when it's uncomfortable. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of services where you can be tested for what you might like to do in life and your career. But <clears throat> I think uh, for me, I tell people, if you're in a job and you don't get excited when you wake up in the morning, you can't wait to get to work, start looking for another job while you continue to do a good job. Because you're going to be if you're going to be miserable for 40 years, that's the worst thing you can do for your family, your health, uh, the people you work with. Yeah, what a shame. And I think about 80% of the people don't like their job. They don't like what they're doing. I'm telling you, I woke up every morning excited to go to work. One guy told me, you're crazy. I said, well, I like it. I enjoy it. Every day wasn't perfect. I had a lot of hard times too, but on balance, I had a great life. And I felt like I was taking care of people. I was serving people. I, uh, I liked that. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> exposure is important. And uh, probably a lot of people know what they wish they were doing, and they're not doing it because it's risky. Now they got a mortgage, you got two kids, they can't move, their mother-in-law lives in town, their wife won't move, you get stuck. And I tell people when you're young, be careful where you get stuck because you may be stuck there for the rest of your life. So until you find what you love to do, don't get married, don't have kids and <laughs> because they'll tie you down. It'll be hard to sell that house and move to another city and just try to figure out what you want to do, young people, before you get out there and uh, – get stuck and then have to just bring the good life home every day for 40 years and wish you'd done something else later. Which it sounds like, yeah. again, is the, the, the key to that before you get stuck <laughs> someplace yeah. that you don't want to be stuck is that exposure that we were just talking about. So that's uh, even, even if you're married, I'd say don't buy a house yet. Wait a few years. Rent. Make sure you're going to like your job. Make sure you're going to like that city. Make sure you're going to like your boss. Don't just rent. Rent. Get a couple two bedroom and you'll be fine. Your kids don't care. Kids don't care where they are as At long all. as their parents are with them. At all. They could care less where they live. Not not in the in the slightest. Um, that's... Even if you move them, they'll adjust in ten days, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let me let me pull a couple of things together here. Um, first of all, let me actually be even before we do that, I just want to repeat one of the things that you said, cause I think it's infinitely valuable. And I, I, if I heard you say, correct, I heard you say that, you know, if, if you are waking up and you're not excited, continuously not excited for going into work, then that's your, that's, that's your indication. You need to change your job. You need to change your life in that way. And the question I wanted to ask you about that is, was that was that something that you've learned more recently or had read a realization about, or was that something that uh, that came from some of those you know some of those other experiences or or some combination of both? Well, I knew what I didn't want to do. I certainly didn't want to have a farm, <laughs> and uh, I wanted indoor plumbing and an air conditioner. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to work in a lumber yard like I did or drive a delivery car like I did when I was in high school and college and work in the kitchen because I, you know, and later on, I didn't want to uh, be a waiter the rest of my life. I wanted to have be home for dinner and I knew all the things I didn't want to do and uh, so slowly but surely it opened my eyes that I liked what I was doing and I was learning and uh, I found out when I had a good attitude and I was disciplined and organized people kept giving me more responsibility and they liked that and I got promoted and I say you know I tell people if you want to be successful 
and there's 10 people doing what you're doing, you make sure you're the best one by far with your attitude, raise your hand, get in there, stay late if you have to, and next thing you know, you'll get promoted because most people are not trying very hard. And you'll stick out like a sore thumb instead of whining and complaining when the boss tells you to work Saturday and come in Sunday morning. And Yeah, forget that stuff. I told somebody the other day, she said, oh, I don't, I don't want to work. My boyfriend will be in town on Saturday. I said, we don't care about your boyfriend. <laughs> you know, you can see him after you get off. Come on. The bar you know? is infinitely low is what I've yeah. discovered. So it's not well, if you, very hard. Yeah, to if you want to be off to go to your son's graduation, that's a different story. Sure, we're going to let you off. But not for when you're starting out in your career, you've really got to hustle. And you've got to make yourself stand out above everybody else. And I guarantee you, it's not very hard. So what are the what are some I heard you mention a few different ways that you can stand out, if you will. But what are some of the other ways that you think are uh, the most important to stand out? I heard you say attitude. So I suspect that may be one of them. But what what do you mean by that? And what else would be the most important things to be able to stand out in a good way? I think the things that you got to think about when you're young and new is you got to look like you're somebody. And I think too many people take that too lightly. You know, I made sure that I took a good view at what the general manager of my hotel looked like, what he was wearing. I came in looking like I wanted to be a general manager. You know, I didn't come in looking like I just got out of bed and been in Georgetown all night at the discos. And then that's one thing. Look professional, act professional, uh, behave like the job you want to have one day, ask questions every single day. To Don't ever go home with a question that wasn't answered for you. Why do we do this? How do we do that? What is that? What is this? What's that food? What is that? What? Where's that? wine from can i taste it can you show me learn 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 and when you do that you will know more than anybody else and it'll be evident to your bosses be disciplined and organized learn how to organize yourself take a time management class read my book time management magic because if you're not reliable and credible and keep your promises you're not going to have a good career you're not going to have a good life actually and uh, somebody said, you know, and I put it in my book, if you don't spend a lot of time planning the life you want, you're going to spend a lot of time living the life you don't want. And uh, so those kinds of things, professionalism, uh, being cool, calm, and collected, not raising your voice, not using profanity, not telling inappropriate jokes, being a real pro, a real professional. And a lot of people get caught up in that. They come to work late. They go out and get drunk tonight and don't show up tomorrow morning. And, man, I was Mr. I was there. They said, Lee, you need to be to work at six this morning. I was there. And they said, you need to stay until midnight because we got we lost two waiters, didn't come in. And I said, no problem. And uh, to me, when early in my career, it's no problem, baby. Because when you don't have a college degree, you better have a really good attitude. <laughs> <laughs> and attitude will take you much further than your degree will, I guarantee you. Most people know they're technical, what they have to do. They go to school and they get experience. But most people don't get fired for that. They get fired because they got a lousy attitude and their behavior and how they treat people and how they speak to people and how they those are the those are things that get you in trouble in life. People don't get a divorce over anything but how the husband treats the wife, what he says to her. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you don't say I love you, she might leave. If you you apologize and you you learn from each you know argument you have, you don't do it again the next time. You get better and better and better. That's I t- always tell people that's reflection. Think about yesterday, what you didn't do as well. Next time you'll do it better, and then you're going to get better and better and better. Reflection. Most people don't reflect what happened yesterday. And uh, I reflect a lot how I could have done that better or what I could have said or what I could have said in one of my speeches that I forgot to say or and just whatever it is. 
that's what I do. And I know that I get better by reflecting on how bad I was at something yesterday, that I could be so much better at it if I would pay more attention or had said the appropriate thing or done the appropriate thing or followed through like I told the person I would. All those things. So you build trust because if you, people don't trust you, you can't get anywhere in life. Especially with your marriage, if your wife doesn't trust you, (laughs) then it's not yeah, not going to go very well. Yeah, you're going to be living in a room above some store by yourself, and uh, so you got to really pay attention to this stuff. It's it's about you. You got to behave yourself. It's not about them. Your kids don't cause problems. You do. Uh, You know how you react and how you've set expectations and how you've disciplined them and. Your wife doesn't cause problems. You come home stressful. You start having an argument when it's not. As my son said when he was 14, he said, Dad, when you come home, you ought to sit in the hot tub for 15 minutes. Everything was fine until you got here. And, uh, you know, that was a good lesson for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, take a deep breath and go in. You can make it better or worse. It's your decision. And uh, don't make it worse. And it's not it's not your wife's fault you had a bad day. And so, uh, yeah. So, so I heard you got to think more. Yeah, you just got to think. Use the old noggin and start thinking about your own actions and your own behaviors so and be- your own insecurities, by the way. So tell me tell me about that. What do you... What, ins- insecurities? Yeah, tell me about that because I just heard a whole bunch of stuff in there that, uh, well, and I've been taking notes as we go along here and I'll rattle them off in a minute, but I'm curious... Uh, when you say think about your own insecurities and using your noggin for that, talk to me about okay, what you mean. So by that. over my lifetime, I was pretty insecure from the way I grew up and experiences I had and family situation and kind of dysfunctional times. And so I grew up a very insecure person. Insecure people are the ones who yell at you. They raise their voice. They don't treat you very well. Insecure. Anytime somebody yells at you or tries to intimidate you, I guarantee you 100% that's an insecure person that has a lack of self-confidence. And uh, I slowly but surely worked my way out of that. I started going to classes, started learning about it. Started, I saw a psychologist to kind of deal with my insecurities and why I felt that way. And, and uh, I finally learned that when I get to work in the morning, I have the ability to make it better or worse when I get out of my car. And I started behaving. And I start, I'm nice to everybody. I don't raise my voice to anybody. I don't care what happened at home this morning or how I'm feeling. And when I get home at night, I used to come in and be stressed out and turn the TV on, have a glass of wine and get in an argument with my wife over nothing. And now I come in and I say, Darlene, I love you. Did you have a good day? And then I turn the TV on. (laughs) And I listen to her. When she wants to talk to me, I turn the TV off. I've just learned these things don't work. You can't watch TV and listen to what happened today with your son or your daughter. You've got to put yourself in a position to uh, be present. And now I'm, I've learned those things, and I didn't know those. And I used to react because I'm a control freak because I was insecure. I didn't trust anybody. Somebody said the other day, love everybody and trust no one. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> and now I, I'm able to give it up. I do trust people. And I, it made me a 10 times better leader over the last 20 years of my career than it was the first 20. And Because uh, when you're a control freak and you – don't give people responsibility and authority and you don't trust them and you don't delegate and people don't they don't want to stay with you great people want those kinds of things responsibility authority and uh, i had to learn that i was the problem not them and uh that's what happens let me ask you about something because you you sort of alluded it to it here and you know we were talking about hey planning planning the life and the time that you want and then you were also talking about your wife and um Jody Mayberry, who introduced us, had told me a story once. Um, 
I don't know, maybe he told me about a, uh, eight months ago or something along those lines, 10 months ago. I can't quite remember. might've been longer than that, but tell me a story about you and really about acting like the most important things in your life are the most important things in your life. And part of that story was about how, when, whenever Priscilla called, then you know you would you, you would make the assumption that it was important, and you would take the call and step out of pretty much anything that you were doing, and it, yeah. that uh, that kind of struck me. To be quite honest, I thought that was phenomenal, and this was this was back before I was in this business full time. So I started doing that, incorporating that into my life, and with really simple things. But if if I say something is important, and then I, then I better darn well act like it actually is. Um, especially starting with, uh, starting with my wife and starting with my family. And I got to be honest that, um, so first of all, I hope this is true. I'm assuming it is if Jerry, Jerry told me, but I, yeah. I want to get your take on, on it and you know, how, how you kind of arrived at that. And, uh, but I got to say thank you for it too, because it's made a profound impact on, on my life actually acting as though the things that are most important are in fact most important. Yeah, well, I think you got to know who you are and what is important to you. And my wife said to me once, uh, she'd called my office years ago when I was first starting out. Yeah. And they told her I, they told her I was in a meeting, and she said, uh, "I got home that night." She said, "Lee, who's more important than me?" And I said, "Nobody." She said, "Why don't you take my call?" And then from that day on, I told my secretary, my wife always put my call through if she wants to talk to me or my son. And uh, my boss, those are three people you can interrupt me for and uh, unless it's an emergency. And it just struck me that there is no more person more important than her. And uh, it's kind of like everything in life. Things that are important to me right now in my life, if you said, Lee, what do you focus on every day? I'd say, number one, I focus on me. Uh, I try to take care of my health, take care of myself because my wife said, Lee, take care of yourself so you can take care of us. You know, and I'm in yeah. perfect health. I mean, I weigh the same as I did when I got out of high school. I do strength training twice a week. I do exercise at 4 o'clock every day, and uh, I eat properly, and I weigh myself every morning, and I want to I be around. My grandkids are 21, 18, and 15 now. I want to go to their weddings. I want to get to know them. I feel better than most 30-year-olds, and I do that on purpose. The second thing I think about is my family. You know, and those kind of take care of yourself and take care of your family kind of go one, two together. They could both be number one. And last, I take care of my business. And then after that, if I have any time left over, then I can go play golf or help Kim Kardashian solve her problems <laughs> or the real housewives. But I don't waste time on things until I got the three or four priorities in my life underhand every day. And because I go tell you, if you got your health, you got your finances, and you got your family together, you're going to have a pretty successful life. And you can't let those get away from you. People sitting around playing Candy Crush and sitting on Facebook for three hours a day, that's really going to help your career and help your life and help your family. I don't think so. And uh, so I think most people have never sat down and can name the top three things they're going to do every day before they do anything else. And I do that every day. And uh, because. Things will not work out unless you make them work out. You can sit around, hope, pray, and wish things work out. They won't. You got to do them. You got to do the hard things. You got to be honest with yourself. Uh, quit procrastinating on the hard. I tell everybody on your show, listen, take one hard thing and do it in the next two weeks. The hardest thing you could that you've been putting off, get it done. You're going to hate to do it to that night before you have to do it, and after you finish, you're going to feel like a million dollars. You need to get in the habit of doing the hard things, and then you won't have 
a lot of things won't happen. If you take care of your health, you don't have to have bypass surgery. You don't have to buy a treadmill. You don't, you know, buy the treadmill before your surgery, not after. <laughs> and uh, these are things people don't, you know, you got to do things that won't pay off till later. I always tell people, if you quit smoking, it'll pay off later. If you exercise, it'll pay off later. Tell your wife you love her, it'll pay off now, tonight. <laughs> if you, if you, uh, you know, if you take care of your retirement right now when you're young, it'll pay off 30 years down the road. You'll have a good life. And uh, think about aging parents, grandparents. Think about how you're going to take care of them now before they get dementia and you can't deal with it legally. And just think about it. Your children, you take care of your children, spend time with your kids and get involved with them and take them on trips and teach them the right from wrong. That's going to pay off for you big time down the road. Lee, this is this has been fantastic. I always get a ton out of uh, out of the times that we've been able to chat, and I uh, I've got just one more question, possibly the most important. So, by the way, the book that's uh, coming out when is it? It's in October, right? October fifteenth. It's called Career Magic: How to Stay on Track to Achieve a Stellar Career. Through and basically, it describes the ups and downs you're going to face in your life, and here's how you deal with them. Don't give up. When you give up, you're definitely going to fail. So. <laughs> Perfect. So here's here's the most important question. Uh, before we hit the record button, you said, "Hey, when people read this, they're gonna they're gonna feel most sorry for Priscilla." So I'm curious what uh, what you meant by that. Well, Priscilla and I moved eleven times. I I dedicated this book to her. I did the last one too, but I dedicated. I said, you know, I dedicate this book to Priscilla, who's put up with me for forty eight years, as we moved eleven times looking for career magic. And then one day we found out it was right in front of us. It was our family, our health, and our happiness. And we'd been searching for it everywhere. But she's a good trooper. She went with me. We loved everywhere we lived. She moved 12 times with her dad. So she's moved 23 times. He was in the Navy. And we're just, uh, you know, if you got your family together, it doesn't really matter. You spend 90% of your time at home and at work anyway. And uh, you don't have as many friends as you think you will. Your family is who will be there for you when you have trouble. Maybe a friend or two, but you don't have too many. And uh, so that's how I think about it is, uh, yeah, that's uh, – you get and you learn these things as you get older. And what you ought to do is try to learn them before you get older, learn them while you're younger. We'd have less divorces, less kids that are in rehab and on drugs and in prison and getting to court dates and flunking out of school and – you know, you talk about the most important leadership job in the world. It's the one you have, being a mom and dad. You fail with that one, that's sad. And uh, he, as my son told me, Dad, you can't fire me. you got to develop me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you got to think about that. Just families that have dinner together two or three nights a week, those kids get far less trouble. They do far better in school. Just a few nights a week, spending time at the table together talking about life and what's going on and the trip you're about to take. And when you get back, the great stories you're going to have about the trip you just took. And yeah, I mean, my grand, you know, my daughter-in-law even had picnic night on Thursday night. It was picnic night when the kids were little, they put a blanket on the floor and they had a picnic on the floor, but you had to watch French movies to improve your French. Mm, I love and so it. they agreed, they agreed. And so you could do Spanish movies, whatever you want them to learn. And the kids, by the way, in three months, they'll be speaking Spanish and you won't. <laughs> <laughs> so those, just think about the things you could be doing instead of getting in a rut and running around, eating dinner at three different places and the kids going off to sleep and taking their phones with them and spending too much time on them and no family time. And uh, you got to really think about doing things on purpose. I guess that's what I would say more. I think most people are not thinking about what they're going to do on purpose next week, next month, next year. 
so and well, why they're doing it. Yeah, that is exactly what this show is about. So I I so appreciate you coming on, uh, telling us stories and making things simple for me. I. I Every single time that we've chatted, I've been able to take something away. This this time, I think I have like seven or nine things to to take away. So I I really well, appreciate it, and I know just that. Just remember, uh, though, yeah. simple is not not easy. Simple is not easy. Agreed. Don't get those two things confused. Yeah, and and I'll attest to that too. So you know, I think some people could say, "Well, Lee, you had a you had a secretary, and you're you know the VP of this or that or whatever." So it was easy for you to be able to, uh, I don't know, say that uh, you're putting your wife first in <laughs> when you're the boss. But I I actually did that and put it in put it to the test in a corporate environment, and I was not the VP, and it was weird, and it took some adjustment for both me and other people, but. It was totally possible. Was it easy? No, no way. Not at all. Right. Not even remotely close. Not easy for me and not easy for the other people there either, but it was totally possible. Yeah. Well, schedule the priorities in your life and your calendar like today. My, this was in here at one o'clock and you keep your appointments and, and uh, you know, I run my business. I don't have a secretary now. I have a good website guy, a good uh, yeah. accountant. I have a good uh, computer guy that works for me. I have a good, all this stuff. And and I sked, I sent, fill out the contracts, send them to the clients. I do the invoicing. I keep track of the, the revenue and the expenses. And and you can do it if you're organized and if you focus, if that's one of the important things you want to do. And what's important is what you'll do. And if you don't do it, it's your fault. So. <laughs> <laughs> This, this is so true. Lee, I, I so appreciate uh, you making the time and taking the time here. And uh, go check out the book. And it is, let's see, it will it will be there right uh, right around October 15th. And yeah. where, where are people going to be able to buy it besides Amazon? Any place yeah, else? Yeah, I think the best thing to look for anything you want from me, and a lot of it's free on my site, LeeCockrell.com, but it's already on Amazon for pre-order. Perfect. And uh, yeah, it'll be in Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy books, they usually carry it. And uh, yeah, and my podcast, they ought to look at it. It's 15 minutes, it's free, and it's all about leadership management and customer service. It's called Creating Disney Magic. It's at 15 minutes every Tuesday morning. So there you go, whatever they want. It's a fantastic show. And Jody Mayberry, who's also been on this show, hosts it along with you. Yeah, he's terrific. All right. Hey, thanks again. Really, really appreciate it, Lee. Thank you. Hey, if you're ready to get your life on track and plan the life and the career that you actually want, or if you need to push just a little bit further to get unstuck and figure out where you want to be, here's what I want you to do. I want you to check out our free eight-day course to figure out what fits you. We're here to help and keep you motivated on staying on that brand new path of success for you. Two ways that you can get it. You can go over to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. Or you can text HAPPEN, H-A-P-P-E-N, to 44222. HAPPEN, H-A-P-P-E-N, to 44222. We'll see you over there. Every single time I talk to Lee, it is... He just has so ridiculously much to be able to share, and 
his stuff is so incredibly simple, uh, simple, but, but hard to do in, in many cases. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy, uh, any conversation I've ever had with him, but I hope you enjoyed it too. And I got to tell you, we've got plenty more coming for you next week on happened to your career. Uh, I want you to take a listen right here, right now. Most people feel like this has to be the time where I finally figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that's, that's what Ben's saying in his letter. And that's simply not true at all. It's not the way to think about it. It is completely the opposite of a way that is going to be very, very good for you to actually get to what you really want to be doing. Hey, all that and plenty more. Tune in next week for Happen to Your Career. I really appreciate you taking the time, making the time to, to be here with us. It means a lot that you join us every single week. And our podcast is growing quite a bit. And I wanted to thank you for that because, well, quite frankly, this would not happen without you. And I, I mean that in every sense of the word, every sense of the phrase. And I, I part of the reason it's growing is because we've been getting more reviews and more subscribers on on iTunes and places like iTunes. So I would I would one I want to say thank you for that. And two, I want to read one of the reviews that we just got here. And then three, I would absolutely love it if you would if you've enjoyed the show at all, go over and leave us an honest review on iTunes. Uh, say any anything that you think about the show, good, bad, indifferent. Well, uh, hopefully not one of those people that uh, is indifferent. But you know, besides that, we would absolutely love that. That helps the show grow. But here's a review just recently from, actually, this is from Fluffy Balloon. I love it. Fluffy Balloon. And they say, hey, this is perfect. I listen to this every single day now. Very helpful. Very helpful. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to to leave a review and especially the five stars. We really, really appreciate that. And we're going to read more reviews so you can make it onto the show too. We, uh, like I said, this, this wouldn't be happening without you. So we want to, we want to recognize that. All right. Thanks so much for being here. We'll talk to you next week on Happen to Your Career. Adios. I am out.